Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Advancing Oceanside podcast, brought to you by the Oceanside Chamber of Commerce. The Advancing Oceanside podcast hosts business and community leaders from all industries to help inform, better educate, and ultimately advocate for a prosperous economic climate here in Oceanside. Joining us for today's episode of the Advancing Oceanside podcast is Chris Megason, founder of Solutions for Change. Solutions for Change is working to solve family homelessness. Megason's approach focuses on personal, workforce, and community development to help rehabilitate once homeless families. He's driven by the phrase, get up, suit up, and show up, and Chris has saved over 1,200 families and 2,500 kids. But before we get into the interview, here's a quick message from our sponsor, Front Wave Credit Union. Front Wave Credit Union fights for their members, those dedicated to country and community family and friends for banking, lending, saving, planning, dream big. They got you. They're Front Wave Credit Union and they've been making financial dreams come true since 1952. Check them out at frontwavecu.com. Hello and welcome to the Advancing Oceanside podcast. I'm your host, Scott Ashton, and today uh, we have Chris Megason as our guest. Um, Chris is going to talk with us about his work with Solutions for Change. Uh, Chris, how are you today? I'm doing great, Scott. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. And uh, as I said before we started, I I love the background, and I know you're going to tell us about it in a few minutes. Um, But before we get into that, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what, what prompted you to start Solutions for Change? Yeah, sure. Well, I, I came here to Oceanside, uh, courtesy of the United States Marine Corps in uh, 1981. Um, I thought, you know, I couldn't deal with the blizzards anymore back there. My actually uh, standing on my on my roof of my house with my dad, literally um, shoveling out after a blizzard because the snow had come right over the house. And I looked at him and said, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do, but I got I know one thing. I get I got to get the heck out of here and get someplace warm. So the only way for me to do that was to join the Corps. And so San Diego, I'm like, I'm loving this until, you know, um, after boot camp, my first orders were, the, were to the Amchuka Islands, uh, the Aleutian Island chain and Amchuka. Uh, so the Marine Corps um, presented a lot of opportunities for me to grow up and be a man. Um, I needed that. Uh, I grew up in a pretty tough environment. Um, and uh, I think it was because of my upbringing and some of that where I had um, family members struggle with alcoholism and addiction. I, I lost two very close family members uh, from my childhood to this uh, illness, if you will, to this condition. And so I joined the Corps and, and I'm doing all the Marine Corps stuff and, um, and uh, kind of flash forward after um, a, about a decade uh, after the first Gulf War. Um, I had, um, um, I had become a, a, I got a secondary job in the Marine Corps. I wanted to be a drug and alcohol counselor. So I went to school at night at National University and got the best training in the country uh, to learn how to help my fellow Marine brothers and sisters. And, and I was gonna do that for, I think probably the rest of my time in the Marine Corps until I lost a bet. The loser of the push-up bet had to go serve in a soup kitchen in Vista. And that was my first exposure to homelessness here in 1992 uh, in Vista, um, serving at the Green Oak Ranch. And that led me out of the Marine Corps very surprisingly, because I love the Corps, uh, got an honorable discharge, 
went to work with that organization. And what I quickly realized was there's a lot of handouts out there, but not a lot of places. And I'm not even going to say hand up. You know, we use this term hand up, not a handout a lot, but that's become so overused. It really doesn't mean anything anymore because the whole system, as you'll hear a little bit later, is just gone all in on Cadillac band-aids and uh, just massive handouts. But um, so we, we built a work program for the homeless. We got a lot of homeless men out. And then in 1999, I'm helping out at a winter shelter with my wife and my two teenage boys. And that's when I met Jessica and everything changed. Um, and I can share with you, you know, how we started Solutions for Change after meeting Jessica. But I wanted to give you an idea of what kind of motivated me into this work. Never thought I would ever be helping the homeless. And frankly, uh, I'm a social entrepreneur in the Marine Corps. Um, you know, they don't do well with entrepreneurs. It's like, see that hill, run up and down it five times, get it out of your system. Um, but, you know, to fix things and solve problems, uh, yeah, they appreciate that skill set. But Marine Corps is very regimented. Um, so I get out and I'm a social entrepreneur and um, do a lot of really interesting things helping homeless men through work programs, work to eat programs. People got up early in the morning, they went to work. Um, in fact, we were the ones, um, not many, many of your listeners will know, but in 1992, I walked over to the Blade Citizen newspaper on Hill Street and I walked in there and saw this guy named Tom Missett and Bobby Jambaluka, who's a circulation director. And I said, look, I got a bunch of homeless guys that's from Oceanside and I got to get them to work. Would you guys let me sell your newspaper? I'll put them out there on the street. I'll dress them up. I'll clean them up. I just got to get them used to working and what we call get up, suit up and show up. So they kind of laughed at me and they said, sure, we'll give you some newspapers. And that was the start of the Hawker program um, that, that, that I started, that we started together uh, in 1993. And, uh, and that turned into a huge success. Um, we sold a lot of newspapers, but more importantly, the whole idea was how can I teach these once homeless men how to get up, suit up and show up so that they can learn how to work in teams and then they go on into the workforce and be good employees. And uh, that's where I really learned this thing called social enterprise can work um, through a nonprofit approach. So, but then I met Jessica in 1999 and that all changed there, Scott. All right, well, so it's amazing to, to know, and I, this is brand new information to me that uh, your, your passion uh, came from the losing a push-up contest. So. <laughs> That's right. And I was in really good shape too back then compared to today, but uh, yeah, push-up back. But can you talk a little bit about um, how the solutions model for addressing family homelessness? Yeah. So, um, so after after meeting Jessica in that shelter, beautiful nine year old girl living on the floor of an emergency winter shelter for Oceanside homeless. We were helping mostly Oceanside, but Vista as well. And um, she pulled on my sleeve one night and asked me in a sweet innocent voice if I lived in the shelter on the floor with her and her mom and her baby sister. And she just said it in the sweetest, innocent voice, like, hey, mister, do you live here too? And I'm like thinking, I, I live in one of the greatest places in the world to live in this beautiful nine-year-old homeless girl in a winter shelter designed for homeless men is asking me if my wife and I and my kids live there with her. Get down on one knee, look at her. I say, you know what, sweetheart? We don't live here, but I'm promising you right now, we're going to get you out of here and get you back into a home. And she teared up and I'd be lying if, if um, I told you that this old Marine didn't tear up and we gave each other a hug. And in that second, Jessica launched a movement. 
Now, you know, people want to look at us like a nonprofit or an organization, that's fine. But Solutions for Change really started as a movement. And what we quickly figured out was that the entire system was designed around what we call compassion transactions. Now, understand that compassion is a good thing. But if we just give people a burrito or a blanket and then, you know, that makes them feel good. Of course, the person giving will feel good. But then we got to do that tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day and forever. So what we quickly figured out was the system actually had this very hidden design underneath it. Now, every one of your business uh, owners out there will know what I mean when I say this. Every business is perfectly designed to get the results that they're getting. So if you're not getting good results as a business, maybe minus COVID because COVID is a whole other thing, but it might be because of the design. And if you're the chief executive, if you're the, if you're the owner, then you're responsible for the design. So what I learned was, is that the entire system of California had a design by maybe unintentional consequences. That was back then. Today, I think differently. But um, that just enabled and contained this thing called homelessness. So we said, can't do that. Not going to do the traditional shelters and feeding programs. Hey, do people need warmth? Yeah, do people need food? Yeah. So we developed a university approach, like an academy approach. And that was the first social enterprise that we developed. It's still in play today. It's called Solutions Academy. And it's, it's, it's about two years. So we say 700 days where people come in and they do what we did back in the 90s with the men. They get up, suit up, show up. They're getting up, they're going to classes, but they immediately start working. So for some reason, this state has got something against accountability. Like, I, I don't get it. Like, you know, accountability is a good thing. Like, you know, learning how to get up and go to work. You know, that's kind of a good thing to learn to do. So many of the people that we're helping right now, Scott, they've clocked out. I mean, it's, it's incredible how they've just now COVID aside even before that. So we built an educational trade school like approach in an industry that was designed not to transform, but to transact. And that's why, um, frankly, as some of the folks watching this, you know, that's why I'm, I'm a little edgy sometimes in my field because people, people, um, People in my field or in this field, not my field, you know, they don't understand. Well, why is this guy always disrupting? Like, why are you always pushing? Well, the reason why is because I'm here for one reason, man. I'm trying to get that kid and that mom or that dad out of the most worst condition you can think of and into a, a place, but not, it's not about housing. They got to get jobs and they have to learn how to take care of the responsibilities. And the only, only way you can do that is through this process that we've discovered where you solve the root causes. I mean, like what a concept, right? Again, goes back to the whole business. If you, for the, all the business folks out there, if we don't solve root causes, if you don't solve the root causes of your problems in your business, you're going to lose money and you're going to go out of business and you're not going to make your customers happy. So same concept here. So in a nutshell, that was the first um, enterprise. Then we did this farm, another enterprise. Then we did a whole bunch of real estate development work, another enterprise. So when you look at the solutions model, when you go onto our website, there's a triangle. 
those three social enterprises represent, check this out, ground up, community-based, market-driven solution to one of the toughest problems that we have in our country, especially here in California. Contrast that to top-down, one-size-fits-all, legislative policy-driven. That tells you, Scott, that tells all of our listeners here how you should help a homeless person. The state of California has made this huge mistake. And I, I got to believe that people care. They don't want to see people like living on our streets and doing all the stuff that they're doing. But it has gotten so out of control today because of that top-down approach. So I want people to understand the solutions for change. A big part of our success is why we do this. We don't do it to get a person behind the door and then make them lifelong dependent on the taxpayer. We do this just so that they don't have to be lifelong dependent on the taxpayer and then they can have a job and have their own place and pay their rent and do all the things like we do. And I'm telling you, the big lie is, is that homeless people can't do that. That's a lie. 85% of the people that we serve, that we help can absolutely do that. It's just that they're being a, a treated like they're cannots instead of can do's. Sure. So, Chris, you, you mentioned root causes. So in all of your experience in this, what 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 are you finding are the reason that people become homeless? So, you know, in the beginning years, Scott, I would say absolutely addiction. Addiction is a big player today. Um, people say, oh, it's mental health. Well, I got to tell you, it's really mental anguish. There are people out there that are mentally ill for sure, but it's only 12 percent. So the big lie that I believe that our, our public is being told is it's like 50%. It's not true. We, we don't see that at all. What we do see is mental anguish um, that people are in because of addiction. But I have to tell you today, something significant has happened in our culture. There has been a shift, a very big shift. Now, remember, I've been, in, I've been embedded in this thing for 28 years. So I've seen a lot of different stuff. I've gone through multiple different administrations and, I, and I, I see a lot of stuff. I believe that within like the last 10 or 15 years, we're getting people that are coming to us from a victim mentality. Like they literally show up like as victims. And I'm like, look at it. I'm like, like, I'm like, look at it. I'm like, I'm saying, look at how amazing you are, man. You got your arms or legs. You can like, you, you have so much potential, but somehow, some way, you're showing up at my door like a complete victim. Like you can't do anything. How did that happen? So I feel like here's the thing that aha moment is people didn't believe me at first, but I said, I got to create a program that ends dependency. They're like, Chris, you know, what are you doing? Is it homelessness? Is it incarceration? Is it domestic violence? You got to stick with that. I'm like, no, I think a lot of those things are consequences or results of not solving root causes. So, you know, addiction's a big part, I think people, but people have checked out and they feel like they can just, you know, there's so much that they, that they don't believe they can do that with um, the engagement and the relationship that we build with them, we absolutely show them, you know what? You can absolutely do this thing. And, and more than that, you can crush it. And that's what we do at Solutions for Change. We make overcomers that then crush their personal churn of dependency, addiction, 
Um, multi-generational, you asked me, you know, what are some of the root causes? Multi-generational poverty, domestic violence, uh, criminality. These types of things um, are happening out there in mass. Like I've never seen the, the level that this is happening. And so when we get people just by treating them as assets instead of liabilities, seeing them as gems instead of just a dirty rock, just by doing that, people are like, man, this is different because, you know, most of the places that they go, they, they're told, oh, you know, hey, here's a, here's a free taxpayer funded apartment. You don't have to stop using heroin or meth. This is like real stuff out here, folks. Do not have to stop using heroin and meth because they call it low barrier. And uh, we got to have low barriers. So we keep letting them use heroin and meth. And oh, by the way, this thing called a job, don't worry about it. We have vouchers that will pay your rent. This is crippling. I mean, literally crippling our societal culture here in California. And it's why I'm still, after almost three decades, I'm still fired up. I still get up every morning fist pumping because we got to turn this around. This has to stop because um, this isn't who America is, man. I mean, I don't want to sound like, you know, I mean, it is inauguration day so I can be patriotic, but this is not who we are. Mm -hmm. And you touched on it a, a little bit, but can you um, just explain a little bit more? We, we know that there's a variety of organizations that are attempting to address the problem of homelessness. So what, what separates uh, Solution uh, for Change and what are you doing differently? In 2015, the governor then handed off to the new governor this thing called SB 1380. And what it did is, is it, it, it then led unexpectedly for I think our public to a law, like first time ever, only state in the nation that's done it. There's been a couple of others now that have done it, but it's a law that says you have to help a homeless person in one way. And that way is this low barrier harm reduction model. So what that is, is if a person is using meth or heroin, you have to give them um, free, you have to give them taxpayer government funded housing. You can't require any accountability. You can't even ask them or you can ask, but you can't require them any self-improvement courses. And so when this happened, you know, Solutions was getting about $600,000 a year from them. And we said, hey, we don't do that, man. We, we're accountability based, we're empowerment based. We don't do that. Well, Chris, you're gonna have to do it or you can't have our money. And it was a renewal grant representing 15% of our budget, about $600,000 about $600, a year. So the board unanimously agreed in 2016 to give it all up and it hurt us bad. We had the, you know, um, closed down about 25% of our programs, lay off some folks for the first time ever. Uh, and then two years later, we came roaring back. So if anything, when you ask me that question, what is the difference? There is, there is not many of us left. There's a handful of us in, in the state of California and maybe a couple hundred or so like us around the country. And when we gave it up, a national news source came out and did a big story on it. And I get a phone call from the new presidential appointee, his name's Clarence Carter, who tells me, I don't know what the heck you guys are doing, but I just watched this news report about why you did this, we gotta meet. We carved out a relationship starting in 2016. And we were one of a handful, five around the country that were selected to do a demonstration initiative to showcase the, anath the antithetical, the opposite 
of the current system. And fortunately, that got seated before um, the election. So we are in that demonstration now. We've named it. You can see it on our website. It's called We Are One Us. And the idea is when the least of us become the best of us, we're one us. So you might have heard um, we have a bunch of overcomers. These are our graduates, our alumni. They have come back and they are on a tear of serving for the sake of others, including businesses. Mm -hmm. So we started getting, um, you know, uh, opportunities to serve in the community and the overcomers um, created a, a, a really powerful team and they then vet these opportunities. So for example, Curbside, cur uh, I'm sorry, uh, Coyote Cafe uh, out there on the border of Oceanside and Vista, um, they needed a deck. They got together and within four days, they built a deck for, for Coyote Cafe, no cost. They, they had the professional deck builders come in. They, they called the city, the city approved it. And then the word got out, we did two more for two other restaurants. And our overcomers, the way they look at it is you, Mr. and Mrs. Business person were there for us. You hired us when we had nothing when we're on the comeback trail and you invested in us. You gave goods and services to solutions which helped us and you donated to solutions which invested in the transformation of our lives. They have such gratitude for that. And, and our program uses um, servant leadership. So we, so we use that model, we even baked it into our culture. So literally hundreds of hours of classroom stuff, practical application stuff. And so um, I think that that more than anything, you know, what I want is, come on, let's go, man. Let's get five other nonprofits. And, and this is what we're gonna try to do in the We Are One Us. We're gonna, we're gonna show that this can work, this, that this approach can work. And come on, let's go, man. We got funders that will fund this, right? We have investors that believe in this. Let's go, let's do something entirely different with an entirely different design. And uh, we're, we're, we're gonna be very soon, later this year, COVID allowing to start recruiting and really partnering with other nonprofits that wanna do this too. Because we don't wanna be different. We don't, we don't people sometimes say, ah, oh, you know, Megasyn, you want it your way. It's only Megasyn's way. You know, I think that is so hilarious because you guys got all the money and all the legislation. So. So you, and now that money, as you've just heard governor, uh, our governor Newsom just said, he is going to put in $3 billion in the homelessness this year. Well, the entire national budget for homelessness last year was 2.8 billion. So something is really wrong. And we all know it. All of your listeners know this. It's, it's, they all know it. Um, but Hey, I, I probably, I'm giving longer answers than I probably should have, Scott. But I wanted you, I wanted your uh, listeners to know um, the, you know, the difference is is significant. But we we need help. We need more nonprofits to join us. Sure. So my understanding is your aquaponics operation plays a, a significant role in your self sufficiency. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So that get up, suit up, and show up thing is real. When I did it with the homeless men. I got them up at 4 a.m. and by 5.30, they were out on a corner selling a newspaper, a Blade Citizen newspaper. Um, can't do that with, you know, the parents that I have in our program. 
But what we can do is something like this farm. So this was an idea that I learned about in my Rotary Club. And um, I was like, aquaponics, it's the growing of uh, two industries, two different industries, the growing of, of um, plants in a soilless system, which is hydroponics, and the growing of fish, which is aquaculture. Both of those two industries have big negatives because they produce a lot of toxic waste. And that's bad on the environment. And you don't like it, but you got to do all this stuff to dispose of it. But if you bring those two things together, the fish waste is used to provide the plants all the nutrients they need. So it cancels out all of the man-made chemicals that got to be put into um, for, to do hydroponics. And so it's a symbiotic system where the plants and the fish work together. It started about 20 years ago from Dr. Ricosi um, in the University of Virgin Islands. And people got all excited about it starting about 10 years ago. I learned about it about seven years ago. Um, and we did a little demonstration, tried it out. And what I was thinking of is, look, I got to get people, I want to get that new person in our program that's only been there for a month or so. I got to get them working, right? I got to get them used to working. And it's, it's, it's equipping them with the soft skills and frankly, the work ethic development that's needed to get them back out in the workforce so that they can not only get a job, but keep that job and have it be a fairly decent job. So that's why I did it. And then it was learned, then a big foundation in San Diego heard about it. And they said, dude, this is amazing. Um, you know, we want you to submit an application um, for an innovation grant for a million dollars. I'm like saying, well, that's, you know, well, who am I up against? Sharp, Scripps, UCSD. I'm like, you know, so 26 applications down to five in a shark tank with 12 PhDs and I'm pitching, you know, and I'm up against some dude that like created a pill where you swallow it and the water really transmits to your doctor's iPad, what's going on. I'm like thinking my fish are badass, man, but I don't know if I can beat this guy. And we won that million dollars to quadruple the size of the farm, which is now the largest commercial aquaponic farming operation in the Western United States. And it's run by the formerly homeless. So the, the person that's the director over it is a 12-year grad of Solutions for Change. The people that work at it are three, four-year graduates of Solutions. And then you've got all these moms and dads that are working there, learning how to what we call get up, suit up, and show up. Not to work in farming forever, but to simply learn how to be a really good employee using servant leadership. I'm here to serve you. You're the business owner. You're the boss. You've got a product or service. My job is to listen and to understand what, what you need me to do so that you can your business can be better. What a concept. And we're doing that. And we, we're producing some of the most loyal, frankly, kick-ass employees out there because we're investing so much in them. So this farm is a critical piece on that. Um, it, still isn't, it still isn't driving the... the uh, you're not supposed to say profit in the nonprofit world, but the excess revenue. Um, so it's, it's a, we're a couple of years in after the expansion. We think we can get there. It's tough. COVID hurt us. Obviously we were selling to the schools and to the restaurants. Um, we had to pivot. So, um, we've gotten really good at pivoting by the way, like a lot of your, uh, Oceanside business folks have. Um, but yeah, that's our farm. Love our farm. It's uh, it's an amazing place. And, and you can actually buy a box. Uh, if you go to the, our Solutions for Change website, and it's a CSA box of, uh, we partnered up with other farms. And so you'll get this amazing box of organic food delivered to your front door. And 
at the same time support the mission of transformation at Solutions for Change. Amazing. Uh, so you, you started to touch on it um, real briefly, but uh, maybe you can go a little deeper on this. Um, about, about a year ago, we all had to look at the way we're running our businesses and make major changes due to COVID. So how, how did that um, most significantly impact your organization? Huge, you know, like all of us. Um, so talking about the farm, you know, we lost all our, you know, we couldn't, you know, the, the restaurants closed, so we couldn't produce the, you know, we, they, they didn't buy our food anymore. Um, you know, the school's closed, so, they, you know, everything's closed down. And so um, a, a couple of weeks into COVID, my team asked me, hey, what do you want us to do with all this food? And I'm like, box it up and give it away. Just give it away, actually drive it to, you know, give it to senior citizens, give it to other nonprofits, give it to, you know, let's just get it out there. And so we did that. And, um, you know, what I was really happy with is, is that uh, people were then, I was hoping and praying that this would happen. It's like, people were like, hey, how can I get one of those boxes? And so we pivoted then onto an online sales system where you can, um, you know, just go online and get your box of fresh yumminess and we'll deliver it, you know, organic yumminess, we'll deliver it right to your door. So, so that impacted us in that way. Um, with the farm, massive pivot there. But the other thing that, that happened is, is that we didn't know how bad this thing was going to be. So we had to do major restructuring in terms of how we help people. Um, you know, we're, we're hands-on, right? So it's like, we're very relational at Solutions. Like if you're going to solve root causes of tough problems, you're not going to do that through Zoom. Um, although now we've been doing it through Zoom and we're like done with, you know, um, we're actually back at work, most of us. We do have some folks working from home, but we're mostly back. But for those months there, we had to like hunker everybody down into our places, keep them safe. And I made a commitment to our team. I'm like, we're all getting through this together. And I didn't know if I could keep payroll up or whatever, man, because we were really getting hammered. And remember this, we're 100% privately funded. So as the whole system was being like flooded, with massive hundreds of millions. And I mean, I never thought I'd be saying billions, but billions of dollars for homelessness, just for homeless programs. All of it comes from that one stop, that top-down requirement law that says you have to use it for um, places that allow drug use, allow heroin and meth use. This is real stuff, folks. I mean, this is not like, this is like, and, you can't require work, um, you know, and so we don't get any of that money. So I, I you know, we're, I think I hit my knees quite a bit during this time frame. And um, you know what? We got through it without laying off one staff member because I needed all of them to help us get through this. And, um, you know, we did lose some folks in the program that we probably wouldn't have lost uh, because everything just got super funky, you know. Um, all of a sudden you got, you know, and I understand like no evictions, Well, we never had a problem with evictions, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, everybody's, you know, people are like, oh, okay, well, um, I don't have a job. I can't pay my rent and Chris can't evict me. So I'm just going to kind of chill, you know, and so things like that were, you know, things that, that really kind of impacted us, but we got through it. I got everybody back together outside at Green Oak Ranch where I started uh, you know, almost three years ago, we had a 800 folks out there, um, socially distanced, of course, and uh, 
And we did that in July thinking COVID's done. We're going to will this thing over. Let's go. And, uh, and of course, you know, by August, September, you know, the COVID monster is back and, you know, so um, it, it has challenges greatly like, you know, it has with all of us, but here's the thing, like COVID might be tough, but you know what? We're freaking tougher, right? The people of this city, I live in Oceanside. I, my first place I lived when I came here in 81 after Marine Corps let me not live on the barracks was Oceanside. So it's like, we're tough, man. So the COVID's tough, I get it, but we're tougher and we now more than ever, if ever there was a thing about bottom up, you know, ground up, community-based, market-driven, it's now. It's like, we all need each other. And I love to say that the government could solve all of our woes, but that's not what we are, right? <laughs> we, we're, you know, there's this thing called, um, you know, the free market, which is kind of a neat thing. If it's used correctly, like it can solve a lot of our problems, if not all. Um, so I just feel like, you know, it's hit us hard, like it's hit everybody hard, but the spirit is who we, we our spirit, our collective spirit is who we really are. And let's stop messing around here, man. We, you know, you start looking at the politics and all that stuff. There's extremes on both sides, you know, um, let's remember, you know, what it's really all about. And, and I think um, we get lost in that sometime, but I'm, I'm excited for 2021. I think, you know, this, this has made so many of us more resilient, um, stronger than we ever thought we could be. I think we're going to come roaring out of this thing. And um, we, we are going to be on fire around the precepts, the, the, the basic fundamental truths of what made us who we are, like, you know, which is, which is the beautifully represented in the Oceanside Chamber of Commerce, man. So I'm just, you know, I, I can't wait for the madness to stop because I think we got, we're stronger, more resilient now. Let's, we need to show each other how kick-ass we can really be, I think now without all these, uh, these, these, you know, these restrictions and so on. So, um, so yeah, that's, I'm excited, man. I, I really am looking forward to the day where we can put this behind us. It's not, you know, artificially behind us, like when it's really done, but, um, but when that happens, I think we're going to come scream out of this thing with, you know, um, every ounce of Americanism that you can, that we've seen in a long time. So I, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. So I, I know there's a lot more to uh, solutions for change than we can cover in, a, in our 30 minute interview. So for our listeners that want to explore a little deeper as to what you're doing and maybe support your work, um, can you maybe share where they can find you online? Yeah, if you go to solutionsforchange.org, uh, just go to the um, section where how to get involved. And there's a really great page in there that will will um, will will direct folks. I'm trying to pull it up now here to make sure that. Uh, so it's called Take Action. And if you get in there, you look at that one. If you just go to like to the volunteer one, um, we we are having on-site volunteers right now. But there's a whole there's a bunch of stuff in there besides on on on-site volunteering. Whole bunch of stuff. Everything from you know we need 
um, you know, personal items for folks that are going through our programs that are brand new in our programs to chairs and tables for folks that are graduating our programs that are moving out that they're moving from a furnished place that we give them into their own place now and they need help with that. Um, you know, there's just lots of uh, ways to get involved. Um, and if you, you know, want um, to eat some really good organic food, there's also right there, it'll say, um, it'll, it'll have a place for you to shop at Solutions and you can shop at Solutions Farms and you can buy a box of uh, organic food right there as well. So, um, and, and if, you know, and, and if you really are interested, I'd love to do a Zoom tour with you um, or come out, you know, we are doing uh, limited uh, visits and show you what we do out there. I'd love for people in Oceanside, um, especially our business partners to connect with us and learn more about how we're, we're in the business of transformation. So, um, you know, I'd love for folks to come out and see that with their own eyes and get involved. That's great, Chris. Well, hey, thank you for the work that you are doing for our community. And uh, thanks for taking time to be with us today to, to share about that work. Thanks a lot, Scott. I really appreciate you and every, everybody at the chamber and uh, God bless, take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Advancing Oceanside podcast brought to you by the Oceanside Chamber of Commerce. Continue with us on our journey to help inform, better educate, and ultimately advocate for our business community. You can view any of our other episodes on all podcast listening locations, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or visit our YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe to catch all the latest updates on all things Oceanside.